Welcome to the worst nightmare of all. Reality. Explore the lesser-known stories of our unknown world. Join the pursuit of the paranormal with Ash and Greg. Welcome to this week's episode of Pursuit of the Paranormal. We are back with Greg and we have a special episode. We spoke last episode about basically we're going to be going a little bit deep into some topics that are coming up and latest news in the UFO and UAP world. So just before we introduce today's guest, Greg, how are you doing? Yes, I'm all right, thanks. I'm all right. How are you? Yeah, good. It was, um, yeah, the last episode was the light-hearted touch of our weird news. Yeah, um, it's fun. It was fun. Yeah, but I'm particularly excited, A, about speaking to our guest today, because it's always a pleasure and we always have a great conversation. Yeah. And the subject matter is insanely game-changing, I would say, but we'll come on to my thoughts about that as we uh, as we go on. We shall, we shall. So we are welcoming tonight the star of the UFO Thinker and Pursuit the Paranormal UAP Roundtable. Welcome, Dave Smethers. I don't know about that introduction, lads. I don't know if I'm the star, but anyway, yes, welcome to you guys. I'm really honoured to be on, actually. I'm a regular listener, as you know, much to your cost as my... Uh, remarks but yeah i know i do i really do enjoy it so i've been keeping up with you guys as well so it's nice to be on here finally yeah yeah nice to get you on nice to get you on and it's not the the round table yeah so just a a a good old chat and for anybody like anybody who doesn't use the program zencaster you can put the the title of like a, a room and the room is what we use to record. So I don't know if, if you would have noticed it when I sent you the link, Dave, but it's Pursuit of the Paranormal forward slash the almighty Dave S. Oh, no, I didn't room. see that. No, no, I, I like that, though. Yeah, I might, I might, you might give me ideas above my station. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> very good. Uh, very so good. welcome along. Yeah, we've yeah, got yeah. lots, lots to unpack in this, this episode. Um, and I've been feverishly... Um, cramming information because, as you know, I'm I'm kind of like the lay person, the the normal person in the street when it comes to UFOs compared to you and Ash. Um, I I just put my point across from like a the mass person. Um, but yeah, I've been trying to to get through what we're going to talk about hey, today. Ash, Ash, do you think we should let him get away with this layperson thing? It's been 12 months now, hasn't it? I know. Like, I, know. Oh, yeah. I try. It bother me sometimes. Uh, well, I think you know, you know. You do quite well, Greg, definitely. You'll be impressed with my knowledge on this one, hopefully. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll be the judge of that. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Thank you very much. Let's not start, shall we? I won't start earlier. Uh, That's yeah. going to be a long podcast <laughs> if you carry I'm on not, like this. Not, I'm not at all. I'm going to be... <laughs> I'm going to be good. Yeah. Uh, sorry, go on, carry on. Yeah, I actually want to start because this is something, I mean, to be honest, I don't even know the uh, the answer to this. Obviously, we've been on a lot of podcasts together. Mm-hmm. Um, Dave comes along to our monthly UFO identifier meetings as well, uh, chatting in person uh, about this stuff. But I don't actually know this, so I, I'll ask for, to start off is... How did you come about into this whole field? You know a lot. You're obviously very deep into the UFO field. How did that all start for you? 
Well, I think God, yeah, I wasn't expecting that. I mean, you normally know what I'm going to say, but yeah, uh, yeah, I think I suppose I've been into it. I remember listening to. Uh, I've always been into it a bit from a kid, like a lot of people. You when you pick up the old UFO book in the library. I remember getting one when I was young. I can't remember what it was called, but I remember reading it when I was about twelve, fourteen, maybe even younger, and it was always interesting. And I was sort of like a lot of us like that sort of stuff, but. Uh, uh, and I, I remember listening to a program, it was an interview with Timothy Good when he just launched his book, Above Top Secret. And I just passed my driving test, funnily enough. Uh, I passed it a couple of months, so I didn't swerve off the road or anything like that. But, but, <laughs> but I remember listening to an interview, it was an hour-long interview with Timothy Good. And I stopped the car, I stopped the car and listened to the end of the interview. It was absolutely brilliant, Above Top Secret. And, he, and I come to the conclusion at that point, and then I got I went and read the book after that, but there was so much evidence or sightings from so many credible witnesses that there must be something to it, whatever that was. And I suppose uh, from that, I've sort of followed it ever since, in and out, from being at college and being in work. I've always read quite a lot about it. And uh, also, as we'll probably get to talk to in say, other episodes or whatever, I also got into ancient sibs around uh, probably about five years later. And surprisingly, there's quite a connection as you go over time. So I've just been one of them people who've read quite a bit. I've known a couple of people in the field on and off. But like so many people, with 2017, I'd started getting back into it about 2014, I'd say, and I was sort of talking to people then. But like many people, 2017, uh, I suppose I decided it was time to get a bit more active. Uh, again, I was doing bits and bats then, and then I suppose I, I spoke to Frank, funnily enough, about what we were doing. We had... Now, and that's how I ended up going on UFO Think because we were talking. I mean, I'm still talking to Frank. You know, we talk all the time, really. Uh, and so it's just sort of gradually evolved. And as you know, it's a relatively small number of people. And you get into the network. Everybody's pretty welcoming in the field. So it's just as a layperson, I've been into it, really. I mean, I personally I'm, know quite a bit about history and modern politics. And that's sort of the things I studied at uni. And uh, I mean, I work in uh, social housing, so that's, that, that's the field I work in. But so, so it's funny, a lot of the topics around sociology, public administration, how government works, economic, they do lend themselves in the tools of analysis to this topic. Strangely, I've found in my little tool bag of when I'm looking at things, it's been quite handy. I'm not, uh, I mean, I, the only thing I do regret, I'm not great on science. I know a bit about some things. I've always been interested in quantum physics, you know, and all those because they all link into these topics, don't they? So I know a bit about some things, but I, I'm not really technically knowledgeable on science. That's the one thing I wish I was a bit more knowledgeable on, really. But yeah, so it's just in like, probably like you guys, just a normal layperson. And this is sort of, with you know, the 2017 thing galvanized a lot of people, me being one of them, I suppose. Nice one, nice one. Um, yeah, I think a lot of our listeners will know know you from from the round tables and stuff like that so it's good to just get a bit of background so like i say i didn't sort of know your history um so it's good to good good to always ask that question i think with now you're a, a, a main guest well, yeah, then, yeah. I, I wish you had a more interesting story i mean i've written a couple of things and all the rest of it but it's not that interesting really uh but yeah i'll I, I try and do something a bit more interesting as we go maybe i'll think of a better one next time you know, you know, <laughs> like, like, yeah. Yeah. but anyway 
Cool. So the first topic, I guess, that we're going to discuss is there's lots of been lots of recent news and developments in the US regarding the UAP, which obviously is going to have a worldwide effect. So we're going to cover the latest amendment under the. Let me get this right before I try and butcher it. Hold on, I think it's last one. Was on the notes. Too many words on this bloody notes, that's why. The Unidentified Anomalous Phenomena Disclosure Act of 2023 yeah. to be added to the 2024 Department of Defense fiscal blah, 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 blah. I completely butchered <laughs> the uh, the fiscal act. I'm not, I've lost it in my notes. I've, yeah. that, I've got that many pages. Well, well that's the NDAA. Uh, and I don't know. If people are familiar with that, but what not? There's a defense act called the ND National Defense Authorization Act, where passes they have to pass every year. And what they tend to do is strap the legislation they want to get passed on this onto that act. So there's a lot of different things you'll see, and they've done it with all the other stuff. And the reason they do that is because it's because it's got a lot of funding in it, they have to pass it. And so that, that's why people like to strap it onto this legislation. If it doesn't pass, there's no funding for the military and all the tanks stuff and all the rest of it. Uh, no, no, not quite that, but do you know what I mean? So it's, so that's what happens. So it's quite confusing. So you hear about these separate acts, and they are separate pieces of legislation, but then they get all rolled into one. Mm. And there's another thing about being too boring, but I've started. So there's a bit where there's a Senate Act, and then sometimes there's a Congressional Act, and then they have to get together and reconcile those two and decide what gets goes in the bill. So sometimes what we may be talking about now not all of it gets in the bill, and it's the amount of support it's got by parties and supporters are saying the stakes where both parties will determine that. And that is traditionally, in my experience, where the DOD and all the non-disclosure people put the fix in and nobble the bill or defang it or whatever, and that's where you have to be careful. But, yeah, so this is a 64-page act, this, 64 pages. So it's a separate act, really, but it's going to be that's why it's tied to the NDAA thing. And it's the NDNA, which was used the past two years to That's bring right. in the other That's right. sort of legislation, the creation of the UAP task force and the hearings and, and all that stuff. Um, I think, how many, was it last year, was it 12 pages they had? I don't know. I think I mean, made I mean, up the, the last one. Yeah, I think it wasn't massive. It, it, it was, I don't know, actually. I can't. I think it was pretty significant last year, actually. I think it was more than that. I think it was about, about 30-odd. And the year before was about 12. I can't remember. This is where we need Frank, you see, because Frank was a massive five-hour <laughs> slaver fund, didn't he, where the last listener, I think, died of whatever. Uh, <laughs> died of first about three hours in or something like that. But he got, I remember he covered it all. But, yeah, it was a big one last year because what's happened is they passed one act, then they've tried to get round it, then they passed another one. And, again, we see him with this. They passed another one to try and close the loopholes they didn't think of last time. So... Every year it's getting bigger and bigger, I think. But to be mm. honest with you, I'm bit, it's hard to remember it all. You know, the, all the detail of it and all the rest of it. So I, it's not a, I try not to kill myself too much with it. It's the, the key things are, was you'd go mad, wouldn't you, you know? Yeah. Definitely. The, the first few pages of this act are, like, quite... Um, if they come through based on what they're trying to pass, so the first yeah. bit talks about... Um, what it means um it's quite a a big check i know we've had the, the congressional hearings and but this to me when i read it it was like 
wow, if they manage to get this act yeah, through, yeah. this is, this changes, this is disclosure. There's, yeah. there's no, it, it is short and tight with disclosure, but it is full disclosure, essentially. Yeah. It might be worth, if you want, going into it a little bit now, just yeah. to kick it off. Uh, Absolutely. And, but do do stop me at any point, because you know what I'm like, I will go on a bit. Uh, but, but uh, just to set the scene or set the table, as uh, the Americans like to say, I heard that. Yeah. The table, very good. Anyway, so I suppose we're at, as you were hinting at there, we're at four, we're at the quickening. Uh, there can only be one disclosure, uh, et cetera. <laughs> it's that sort of thing, and it had a crap quote for our crap accent there. But anyway, but it feels a bit like that. We're waiting just on the precipice of this big avalanche of disclosures for the start, so it feels to me. So we've got the gr- the Grush revelations, yep. all about that. And we've talked about that massive revelations, lots of corroboration, independent corroboration from uh, the ICID, uh, intelligence community, Inspector General for procurement, all these acronyms that people probably don't know what I'm on about half the time. So we've got all that. So that seems to present this idea that there's been a big cover-up, there's this program, there's crash materials, all these things. We won't go into that too much. Then you've got this intelligence organization that come in on the park, which is an attempt to say, if, if you, you haven't told, it's about accountability. If you haven't told Krogness about where you're getting the money, uh, if you've got tech, you need to give it as if you haven't told about propulsion, basically saying you need to fess up, give us the stuff. And if you don't, and if you don't tell us what you've done, we're not going to fund you. So there's all that. And that brought in a lot of very eye, you know, eye raising language. First introduced non-human intelligence language. Then we had this now, the UAP Disclosure Act, which we're just about to talk about briefly. And uh, next coming up is the upcoming hearings. So we've got these four big things on the horizon ready to go, two of which have happened, sort of. One yep. of which is, is we've just heard about and one of which is to come next week on the 26th. So that sets the scene rather nicely. So the thing with the UAP Disclosure Act, uh, I, it was a big surprise. Nobody was expecting it. And it was very surprising because it was announced by a fellow called Chuck Schumer, who's the leader of the Senate, which is fourth in line in the presidential succession. Big deal, big political figure. So he announced that, and that was a massive thing. Nobody was expecting that because so, he's very conservative, not really said much about the UAP stuff. In fact, if anything, he's tried to veer away from it a bit like Biden has in previous months. So that was massive. And what he actually said, let me read you what he said. He used this amazing language. He did an announcement, you know, a bipartisan announcement. This is what they were going to do. And he said, because they're about this amendment, the American public has a right to learn about technologies of unknown origins, non-human intelligence, and unexplainable phenomena. That's just mad. To hear somebody as straight-laced as him come out with that was absolutely mind-blowing. And it's quite... uh, clear from that you would you, you wouldn't have they wouldn't have agreed to this without agreeing it with the white house so they, they won't adjust it. and if you look at the, the legislation there's bits for the white house and it, it wouldn't, there's no way politically he would have agreed this language without talking to the white house so this suggests grush's revelations and some of the other secret testimony that's gone on in two years before in congress we've been learning about it sort of pushed the white house off the fence uh, to address the issue so that's the other big thing about this act uh there's also i think a bit of a link to the presidential tax force you'll remember in balloon gate when all that went on 
they suddenly announced a presidential task force that was going to take over. It was seen as a bit of a slap in the face to Arrow and the DOD. And it was because Joe Biden had been accused of being a weak president. He set up this task force, and they're linked to this as well. And if you remember, there's a story about a senior intelligence, naval intelligence officer, went into the White House and apparently said that the Air Force and a few of us were misleading the White House about the extent of the cover-up. And that was felt to be the big reason behind this task force. Uh, and I suppose it just shows us a big sea change. And it might see, just to sort of uh, say before I get into it, we might even see some kind of announcement to come from the White House, but it's hard to tell. But it, it sort of looks like it might go that way. So did you want to ask us to say anything about that before I go on? So I, that that initial comment from Schumer, um, I, and the quote, the Americans have a right to basically know about any technologies and non-human intelligence and stuff. So I guess my question to that is, do they? Do Should the wider public have this knowledge? Is, is that like, I guess it's kind of, is that a fundamental right of, you use Americans, but I'm guessing when it comes out to Americans, it come out to the whole world. Is that something that we should have well, a right to? I think I think it's predicated on the idea there's been a cover-up of the, both the elected officials and the public. That's been perpetrated. A, there's been sort of disinformation and misleading statements perpetrated on the American public and the American politicians have been misled. And it's linked to the idea that was a humanity. We should have a right to know about another intelligence, you know, and our reality. So they're the things that... It's not suggesting we have a right to know everything, i.e., you know, things that would jeopardise America. I don't think American security or whatever, but it is suggesting that we have, A, the officials should know, the public shouldn't be lied to as such, you know, and it's a, quite a fundamental truth. So that's what I took it to mean. The fact he said that, though, because he wouldn't, I don't think they'd say all this non-human intelligence and all the rest of it, unexplainable phenomena, if they didn't see some evidence of it, if you see what I mean. It's almost... You just wouldn't say it at random, would he? It's a bit of a lark. Not that you yeah. were saying that, of course, but you know, it's, it's that connection. Because that, that was going to be my, my first point or question, really, as well, is once you read the wording and it's very watertight, if that was a contract, that is a watertight contract, as far as I could see. Is he, or did, there's obviously a group of people that have come up with the, the wording in this act it's not just one person because that document is from what i can see it covers ev- everything that i would have thought of plus things that i probably wouldn't have thought of and my question is is that being written based on what they know already which isn't public that they're basically forcing the hand of everybody to basically say you tell us or it is, is we know it already, but you have now got to tell everybody. Because I don't think if you haven't seen some of the purported evidence or any kind of firm proof, you wouldn't necessarily need word in as strong as it is. And it is quite a strong document as we go through it. It's strong. It talks about observables. It talks about who's got authority, where this goes, clearance, everything like that, which we can come on to. But the fact that it's called the UAP Disclosure Act, I mean, that in itself is is something that 
2017, I don't think anybody would have thought we'd ever see. Can't hear you. Sorry. There we go. No, it's a good way. But it does not a show without doing at least one mute, is it? Because I, yeah. I turned it off. Or wasn't it? I'm trying to be polite. Then. Yeah. Uh, what was I saying there? Uh, what what was what was your last point, Greg? It was about the. I know it was a long point. Was it? Sorry, yeah, it was. Uh, so, the fact that it's it's watertight enough that they must have seen something, and the fact that in two thousand seventeen, five years later, which isn't a long time, really, a lot's happened in that that five years. Do do you think back then that you would be talking about the wording used by government? UAP disclosure 2023. Yeah, sorry, that links on to that. I think they've been at this for the last two years, or certainly a year at least, writing this. Mm -hmm. Since, based on the stuff they've been getting, I certainly wouldn't have thought we would have heard anything like this. So it's clear, insane, really. Yeah, clearly, people have convinced, they think the evidence is enough, and they've started, they've realised they've had the wool pulled over their eyes, and there's a number of things going on. And I also think they realise they haven't got sort of democratic or political control over some of the issues. There may also be some issues, there's a lot of talk in the air, which we'll get on to maybe a bit later, but there may be some some event or some action or something coming up where they have to prepare people. I don't think it's some big, massive planned disclosure. As you know, my view, I think it's been a lot of fighting going on. But I think there's a sort of critical mass being reached where they think there's something to this and they've set people to write it. People like Leo Elizondo, Chris Mellon, all these other people, even Grush himself on some of the NDA stuff, have been writing this stuff. This is very carefully, cleverly written. Yes. It's, been, it's not somebody's not just knocked it off very quickly. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's cleverly written. And I think this is putting in place a sort of architecture of future disclosure. And it is sort of a platform for that to roll that out now. So I think it's quite a deliberate, uh, yeah. it's a deliberate thing. I mean, I can get, I'll just give you a bit more detail once we finish this, but I, I won't, you know, just having a bit of a chat about it. I'll give you a bit more detail and that'll probably underline that, uh, of how they planned it, you know. Yeah, I mean, talking about how they've planned it, uh, obviously we've seen UAP Task Force, Arrow, and obviously Arrow with Dr. Sean Fitzpatrick. Kirkpatrick, sorry, not Fitzpatrick. I don't know where that came from. That's come from listening to Thomas Fessler on Discord tonight because <laughs> he calls him Fitzpatrick. <laughs> um, and the fact that I think the public probably, and maybe Congress as well, uh, feel maybe a bit let down by the fact that Arrow haven't really... Done it. They, they've sort of said we haven't seen any credible evidence, and the fact that Grush has said that um, Kirkpatrick hasn't really even got the clearance to see all this stuff. So even if I wanted to show it to him, he couldn't see it anyway. Yeah. So their statement, the fact that they haven't seen any credible evidence, is probably factual because yeah. he's not high enough up. Yeah. And and as we get into this document. There's a little bit about clearance on there, which was very interesting to yeah, read yeah. from. from I mean, point. I mean, it's a, without going, you know what I think about Kirkpatrick and all that. But I mean, yeah. people who haven't maybe listened to us on the round table haven't. But this is essentially a massive swerve around the DOD. This, and mm -hmm. and because as we said, the two worlds can't continue to exist. Where you've got this kind of legislation, and yeah. then you've got Kirkpatrick saying no credible evidence, nothing to see here, and some minimalist. Those two things can't coexist. And this is a big swerve around. And as we get into it, 
it sort of relegates uh, the efforts of Arrow to a more of a junior partner as we go through. That's what the effect of it, I think, which we'll get, yeah. to, get to in a minute. Or, or maybe, again, we'll, we'll come on to it, is this a way of empowering some of these previous departments that have been looking into it? I don't think so. I think it's a way of forcing them to do it, Greg. I mean, yeah. I, oh, yeah, I, def- I, yeah, I definitely believe yeah, that. Yeah, I definitely I, believe that. I think the picture's quite complex, though. I think within every department, there are factions who want to be more open on this and factions who are against it. I think the body who is trying to keep the lid on it has got a very tight network who's trying to, that's only too spy-esque, but they've got a very tight network who's trying to keep a lid on it and they're quite influential. But I think at every level, there's probably people who want to disclose and some who don't. There's probably people in the middle with legitimate security issues. So it does empower people, but it also uh, makes it a legal duty to do it. So it almost puts the boot on the other foot. And one of the things we've seen this is turning the tables, this legislation. It's putting the onus on the secret keepers to come yeah. forward. Yeah. So it's almost not making it a choice anymore. It's making a duty. Mm-hmm. And that, that's that's been the key tactic to pivot. So rather than seeing what you can find and all, all what are the crumbs coming off the table of these secret keepers, the secret keepers have got to come to you now and, and say. Do you, th- do you think this was part of, so they, they brought in the whistleblower protection, which, yeah. as we've discussed on the, the round table, that's good, but that doesn't stop people from being adversely affected from it, even if they did come forward. There's, yeah. there's ways round, round yeah. this. Um, so do you think that whistleblower protection was actually a stepping stone to basically say okay well we've tried that and we're not quite getting what we want yeah we'll force you now so if you even if you had doubts yeah and that you were going to be persecuted for not coming forward now with this act you don't have a choice people can't say well you've you've given up the secrets it's essentially you had to I mean, I mean, the plan was a pincer movement. I mean, I'm pretty sure Larry Zando and, and, and all the rest of them in 2017 said, right, the strategy is to, put, uh, is to raise awareness on this issue and apply pressure publicly with the, with the aim of getting it into Congress. Because Congress is the only one who's got the key to unlock this secret keeping. And I think they had a strategy, not, not some massively detailed one to ten strategy, but a strategy of keep ratcheting up so they must have anticipated this was going to happen so they went for the initial they went for the task force that was sort of scuppered in the end they got the report out the key thing was to acknowledge the existence and then the legislation started to come through arrow they tried to scupper arrow by making it you know that it turns out the actual uh, ou what is it OU, uap task force was actually doing its job then we had aimsog which was pretty rubbish it did nothing and arrow which was even worse but then you had this the new NDA legislation come in, they defanged that, they stopped a board of governance on it. Then so they brought a stronger bit of legislation in next time, putting a duty of accountability on Kirkpatrick and all these duties. That wasn't done. So they've now brought this on, fueled in parallel, and this is the pincer movement, of all these whistleblowers coming forward, which I think was part of the plan in the first place. So that was throwing fuel on the fire and to... And more and more people who were thinking, oh, I'm not sure about this, it's really weird, isn't it? We're seeing this evidence coming through in secret, and but it was real, names, dates, cover-up. And the other thing that I, I think they kept flogging, and quite rightly, was the lack of accountability. A, 
not telling them the truth and not letting elected officials make these kind of decisions. Because you, we, we don't know what's behind some of this. And there may well have been a lot of, it's not a great history of secret cabals making decisions for the benefit of the people, is it? Or making wise decisions even. Because more, the more secret it is and the longer they go, the more it tends to be about what they want and what their narrow perspective is rather than the broader solution. And the narrower the group of people, normally the worse or more extreme or, you know, less pluralistic, whatever word you want to use, the solution is. So I think they've been both appalled and they probably realise that they've, they've, they've got to deal with when they've heard this testimony. This has been the key thing. So I think it's a twin track, but I think the people who put this in motion planned to keep ratcheting it up. What we don't know is how much, whether Gillibrand, when she, when she had that second one with uh, Kirkpatrick, already knew all this. I suspect she knew a lot of it and was just giving him enough rope, which is probably a little simplistic, or whether she genuinely did trust him. And it's, it's just, you know, the evidence that's come along uh, that's convinced her. Now, remember, they'll only be seeing these transcripts probably in the last six months. The staffers will have given them to him. So that, again, maybe is another reason for this this legislation. I don't, it's hard to say, it might be the presidential, somebody's taking a decision to put the foot on the accelerator. And I think there'll be multiple reasons that are all linked to the same sort of things about accountability. And what we don't know is if there's anything else pushing it, which Ross Coulthard hinted at recently and all the rest of it. I don't know if that answers what you were saying there, but it's just, that's what I think. It's hard to describe it though, but mm. see, I don't believe from my experience in work and everything, and I've said, probably said this before, but strategy, a lot of people think uh, when they're in college, when they're young, you can sit down and write a strategy, 100 points, and do the strategy. But unfortunately, that isn't how strategy works because the external environment uh, determines what you can do. So the only really good strategy is an emergent strategy whereby you set where you want to go, you have a rough idea where you're going to go, then you go with it. And that's what strategy is, really. Uh, it's not really a very big planned out thing and I think that's what we've uh, I think that's what we see in here they've had a rough idea and then they've just rolled with the punches to get where they are with a pretty good game plan you know yeah for sure because you have like a hundred point plan that's going to soon be a five hundred point plan and yeah, a thousand yeah. point plan yeah, they're not yeah. going to be able to finger it and I guess sort of talking about the, the sort of the reasons behind it it's all these different people coming forward all, all this stuff getting leaked over the past few years with, like you say it's part of it and that was part of the approach part one of the sort of one of the um pincers yeah going forward joining with it i mean if it if it was part of it whether it's just people genuinely coming forward off their own back because they've got this information like people like grush it, it's kind of forcing them that they have to do it now because all those other people in, in the wings that have got this information that have maybe like seen people yeah. come forward then i think you know he's come forward should I? Let's see what yeah. happens to him in a few months. Should, should I then come back with yeah. this? Now, like I say, with this act. And, I, and the title, like Greg said, because there's, I mean, there's so many pages and so much information, I actually completely skipped over the actual title. And you just take that on its own, UAP Disclosure Act. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's what we've been fighting for. That's what we've been yeah, man. wanting yeah. for 50 years, this, this big disclosure with a capital D. And it's the actual title of the legislation. I never even like fought that. like Because basically... We see that word constantly every day, disclosure, blah, blah, blah. It's just sort of one of, in our cycle all the time. To actually take a step back and think, it's the UA, UAP, i.e. UFO, going back to the, yeah. to the classic, UFO disclosure, like act in 
getting put through law. And that's just, I never actually, until Greg said it, I thought, oh my God, that's the actual title of it. Is UAP <laughs> it's disclosure. Mad. Like, what well, the hell? Well, it's funny you say that. I come to the conclusion as I was reading it for the first time. I've only read it twice. I couldn't stomach reading it any more than that. It's just what I do. I kind of print it out and for six, four yeah, pages now. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, it just struck me as I read it, but it actually has a, a bigger underlying idea. That architecture of a disclosure thing I was saying, that was the phrase that came into my mind. They try to lay the ground rules. It might be worth be going through a little bit of what the key things, just I won't yeah. take too long. Yeah, that yeah. might move us on a little bit as to where, yeah, we, yeah. where, we, where we're going now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so, uh, for basically, because there's a load of different things in the act, so I'm going to try and just simplify what the key things are. Now, you always miss little bits, do you know what I mean? But, yeah. well, anyway, we'll have to just go, I'll do the best I can with it. So, uh, basically, it correct, creates a review board, and that's dedicated to disclosing UAP information. And, the, and materials, and that includes any biological evidence of NHI and the craft and the craft they may operate. So that's what it's going to try and do. Get look at what the past records are and review them. I'll go back into that in more detail in a second. It's got the authority in law of an independent agency that's reporting to the president. So that's very significant. Coming back to the arrow point you made, you can start to see it's been set up as a proper agency in its own right. Uh, in addition to that, uh, any that under the legislation, any craft or materials of unknown origin or anything like that, and I'll come into the word in a minute, has to be surrendered to the U.S. government in something called eminent domain. We've all learned that phrase. It's the American phrase for compulsory purchase, basically, when it all boils down to it. And that's what it means. It basically means anything that uh, the material they describe has to be handed over to the government. Now, I suspect America being the litigious country it is, I think that'll probably be watered down and there'll be some, because they don't want to be in court forever. But that's essentially what it is that you've got to hand that over. Uh, it also, in the introductory language, talks of cover-ups in the past, misuse of legislation. And so it clearly says, clearly in the text, there's been a big cover-up, and we're sorry about that. Well-meaning as it may be, I think one of the phrases is, uh, and we're going to rectify that. And it also even says they could make international inquiries. But uh, just give you a couple of eye-watering definitions you were talking about, Greg. They define non-human intelligence as any sentient intelligence, non-human life form, regardless of nature, of nature or, or ultimate origin, that may be presumed responsible for unidentified anomalous phenomena, or of which the federal government has become aware. That's a... It's pretty covers it all. And what it really means is anything that's flying the craft. That's what yeah. it's saying. It yeah. could be transdimensional, it could be crypto, it could be this, it could be that. See, I've started to use the phrase I started to use the phrase, but I stopped doing it because it was getting confusing. Of non-known civilization, because I think that's probably the best definition. But you know, the most open definition that doesn't allow them to but that is that definition is imagine in a piece of legislation. And then we have technologies of unknown origin. I'm sorry, I'm reading this, people, by the way, so don't think yeah. I've got some eidetic memory because I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> Any materials or metamaterials, ejector, crash debris, mechanisms, machinery, equipment, assemblies or sub-assemblies, engineering models or processes, damaged or intact, intact aerospace vehicles and damaged or intact open ocean surface and undersea craft associated with unidentified anomalous phenomena or incorporating science and technology that lacks prosaic attribution. 
or no means of human manufacture. So there you go. I mean, there's no, this is going to be pretty hard to get out of that, isn't it? So that, that's watertight. Yeah, it's that's in the legislation. So you've got this accusation of a cover up and all the rest of it. So basically, they're going to set this review board up to look at information, to look at uh, the records and release them. So how's the, what's the function of the board? Just thinking about that. Basically, it's, it's comprised of nine independent people. They're nominated by the president, and their job is to assess and advise on the release of any UAP information and records to the public. So it'll review all the materials it receives, then it'll send a recommendation to the president as to its release, then the president is the one who makes the decision. Now, the core idea is that all the records and materials held by any agency have to go have to be sent to the national archive so they have to give them all up again this onus on the intelligence agencies and then uh not quite sure of the order but basically the review panel start to assess them all and the presumption is that any uap record should be open to the public unless there's a good reason why it shouldn't be and that goes up i think and again this is a bit complicated it goes up to 1998 25 years uh, before the act so basically, you did hand over all the records to the National Archives, starting from the 40s or whenever they were, and these people would be reviewing them and then saying whether they should be declassified or not. So that would be Roswell, all the other things going through the 50s. It's just absolutely mad. And then it stops probably just before the Nimitz thing, just before that, that time, and then it becomes into the, what's classified then. But then they will also look at that thing. Now, I was talking to Sharpie about this on Monday. And he reckons while they're saying that now, but that really will be a bit of a moot point. And if something does come up, they'll also look at that as well. But he obviously doesn't know. But that was his, that was what he was saying. And he probably is in a good position to know. So uh, I think the point here is that it isn't going to be the DOD or the intelligence community or anybody else who's got a vested interest in covering things up who's going to assess whether it should be released or not. Because remember that last time in 2022 in the May hearing, Scott Bray said, oh, we want to be open, and I've just done this assessment, and they classified everything, even the documents were previously were, 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 were people were looking at. So yeah. obviously they're going to lock everything down, so it isn't them, and they're separate, and they can't be any member of any previous uh, panel or whatever. I'll go into the makeup in a minute, but they can't be any member who've been, been part of this. So they're independent people. I'll come back to that in a minute. Also, this review board will have the authority to question witnesses, anybody who's been a close observer, whistleblowers, and they can actually give whistleblowers the same protection as Arrow supposedly can now, so they can actually get them in and do inquiries. And uh, I think, well, I think they can also set up, well, I know they can also set up their own subcommittees as well to look at different things and get different panels of advisors. I'll come on to that again in a minute. Just to look a little bit at the makeup of the review board just to finish that particular this particular tale it's made up of an executive director who's managing it who go who speaks directly to the president as it were or the white house service uh, president who's one of these nine and it's got to have it specifies who it should have on it one current or former security official i'm reading this again by the way one current or former foreign service official one scientist or engineer one economist one professional historian and one sociologist. So talking again about this architecture of uh, disclosure, that's quite a broad-based panel, that. It's not just I'm looking at a few military documents and tech specs. 
It's about the looking at the wider implications of what it means, which gives a sort of hint at the wider purpose of this sort of body. So it's set up to consider quite wide-ranging implications, obviously ontological shock, what's going to happen economically, should we set, what about his, history and what are the effects on that, as well as people who've got technical knowledge. I mean, I would hope they would also have somebody who's got a knowledge of the UAP field as well, uh, somebody who knows the ins and outs of it, because it's probably somebody who's been a top ufologist, probably knows some of this stuff in the round. You know, someone like Richard Dolan probably has some stuff you know, strange views and a lot of things, brilliant story, and other people who we know in the field would, could give them a lot of context. So uh, the members, they'll all be nominated by the president and no later than 90 days after the act. So that means by April 2024, they should be in post. So that's quite interesting. And also, it's not two years away or whatever, I've heard some people saying. Uh, they'll also, coming to another of your points, have fast-track security clearance. Yeah. Or to be given mm. that part, which was what you were alluding to earlier, I think, Greg. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I think they'll all have high clearances, and I think uh, I think it's the executive director who has the special access clearance as well, like Grush. But it's not clear if the other ones are as well. I've read it a couple of times, and some people have said it's only the exec director. I don't think it is only the exec director. Uh, but, but you could argue that point. Uh, yeah. I, I just finished on this, and that's what I was saying earlier. They also, and that was a key that I knew was up, that's why I said it earlier, but I've, uh, I've just noticed in my notes and put it again. You also, also have the ability to establish an advisory committees. So they could say a science one, a defence one, a religious one, or whatever one, and that with experts on who could advise them. And you can see again, once they start doing that, it's quite a broad range. And you've got, they can have whistleblowers, they can do investigations, they can have particular boards. It's not just some a board of nine people all with magnifying glasses looking at papers. It isn't that. It's something a bit more. So that's basically how it works. You know, they've got this board of people and they're methodically working through the Bureau of Records with a, with a view to relate, to making everything public they possibly can. So that's it. And I'll get on to Arrow in a minute when it means when I bought. So there you go. So uh, what do you think of yeah. that? Yeah, I mean, one of the things I wasn't sure, I think, like, sort of what Greg alluded to earlier, was with the like with these this review boards, when I was reading it, I just couldn't see any specific mention, unless I've missed it, is around the clearances. And yeah. if, these, if this stuff has been, like, top, top secret or above top secret for however many years, will they be able to see the documents? Well, I guess that it does kind of answer yeah. it. Yeah. If at least one of them gets the yeah. big oversight and then others have either the same or some yeah. level of, claim and so these are just like say random parts yeah. of the society obviously very very established people but yeah. still I mean, different yeah, yeah they are they say they like uh, well you know well thought of or it's like you say you'd word you you're right distinguished that's yeah. the word isn't it uh and so the it's interesting if lou could stand or somebody like that or gary nolan because lou if you if you Think about what Lou said. He was part of a program almost set up by the US government to find out about these real programs. Yeah. So he has seen some of these programs, but he's not actually been involved in them. Do you know what I mean? So, uh, oh, but maybe that would be deemed to be involvement. Gary Nolan, has he been, he's reportedly seen people who've uh, had medical effects via Kit Green and all the rest of it. Would he be deemed to have been involved? Because he'd be a brilliant chair, wouldn't he, Gary Nolan, if he was on there? Or uh, certainly be a good advisor. But anyway, so it's interesting to see who out of the people we know would be qualified to go on this. But I suspect they could probably put them on these advisory panels, if not. 
and getting back to the clearances, I think they'd be read in uh, if they needed to be, because they'd have these pretty high clearances anyway. De facto, the executive director's got all the clearances, effectively. Yeah. But if somebody else needed to be read in, they probably would be, given that level of clearance, assuming they passed the initial security check and they weren't a Russian, whatever, mole who'd been put <laughs> there for just that well. purpose for 30 <laughs> years, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, it, it is... Uh, but it's pretty... I don't think people realise the magnitude, as you were saying earlier, of this act. It all presumes that all this is out there. All this is true, all this... There has been a cover-up. There are NHIs. It presumes an awful lot. Yeah. And we've got this real conservative, uh, in terms of political terms, and not into any woo or anything that might be considered out there, politicians saying, right, go forward. And it's, uh, you know, right to learn about technology of unknown origin, non-human yeah. intelligence, unexplainable phenomenon. Sounds like the start of uh, the, X- the X-Files, doesn't it? Not the, <laughs> you mean, uh, yeah. when you compare it to the last hearing, where you got Kirkpatrick that sat there, yeah looking bored, saying we've not got anything blah, blah, yeah. blah, 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 for two hours, so to now this, where you think, it sounds like on the face of it, they know, or at least highly believe that they've got stuff yeah. and that they want to see what it is, yeah. rather than, like I say, it's a huge, seems like a huge U-turn in the yeah. short, very short period of time. So well, if something's come to light since then, or like I say, it's part of the plan. Well, I think they've unveiled this. I think that that's been the tactic. They keep unveiling it and they don't tell them what's happening because Chris... She'd been quite bullish, uh, Susan Goff, until recently. And Chris Sharp on his Patreon thing was saying, he was speaking to her recently, she seemed a bit sort of, I think, what is it, Exo says, discombobulated. He seemed that she seemed a bit confused, you know. Or she wasn't her usual self and she wasn't saying anything. Because he'd been trying to nail her down on this wording. What does it mean? Does it cover this? All right, is it all right? Or maybe not extraterrestrials. What about non-new human intelligence? And he got to unknown origin, which is the wording in one of those things I just read out, and she, she stopped. So it, it seems to me, if she was in that, I mean, I'm extrapolating a lot from what Chris said. He didn't say that much, but it seems to me she's obviously had a bit of a shock. And I think they think the game's up. And it comes back to that thing about the rats leaving the sinking ship like you were in plan. There must come a point where they think, God, I better fess up here or I'm mm-hmm. going to be in trouble, you know, or, or whatever. And how long are they going to? I can see maybe a hardcore intelligence sort of uh, non disclosure person sticking to the guns, but I don't know whether I can see a uh, chief executive of a big uh, aerospace company having the same view. So I want to come, I want to come on to an aerospace company in a bit as we get further down the line. And also I want to highlight a letter that went to the Canadian ministry. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically saying we need to, we need to get this out here now. Do you think that was potentially because they knew this, this was coming. Yeah, we must something there. Basically, something saying like you need to get out everything we know. We need to, we need to at least start some kind of process yeah. before America basically shaft everybody around the yeah. world. Well, that's what. That, yeah, that's what we said. Should we just to finish on off on this? The final yep. thing is, is a point you guys alluded to, was the demise of Arrow. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. because it's sort of a hey, you can't. Have, we said you can't have these two worlds in the same spaces. But this thing duplicates most of the activities of Arrow, really. Witness testimony, investigating past records, whistleblowers. So Arrow's real only remaining role would be to investigate new and previous cases. That's assuming I think it's got new management who's prepared to use a proper methodology yeah. and reports to somebody different other than the DOD who keep wanting to squash it. So I think it really relegates Arrow down, down the pecking order. 
and so, and so I, I it may even because even the axe says uh, arrow or whatever else is in place or something like that. It says that sort of mm. thing. Uh, so because there's a few other things. So what? So basically, if you want to think of a so what, uh, I think it says they've seen enough, as we were saying, to convince themselves that it's all real, and the language sort of shows that. Uh, I think they know there's a cover-up, like we said, and they want to get to the bottom of it. I'm just trying to sum up what I think it means. I think the White House is on board as well now, which they weren't before. And just as we've said to people, it will be in the NDAA if people are looking for this separately be part of that. Changes the game. Will the mainstream media start to come in now? We're sort of seeing them dipping the toe in the water, although that's a subject in itself where they haven't come in yet. Hearings will probably supercharge all this. If you think about all oh, what we've just said now, the shock of humor coming out, then we have hearings. And I think whoever's interviewing Grush, if he just says what he said to Ross in open court, that'll be enough on its own to send things spiraling, I think, you know, myself, you know. Uh, and, uh, I mean, I may be wrong, but that's what I think. And uh, there's other thing maybe. What are the forces of non-disclosure going to do to scupper this? They haven't been able to lay a glove on Crush, but are they going to start doing other weird things, putting throwing things up in procedural ways? They've already seen the FBI and maybe saying, oh, you can't release this out. What's going to happen? And the wider thing is, are they going to do anything a bit more sneaky? How far would they prepare to go to stop this coming out, depending on what it is? So there's all that in the background. But So I think this, as Crush moved the disclosure dial, this moves like the legislative dial, as it were. And, and I think this is intended to be a, the big architecture of a sort of disclosure platform going forward. Whether it can control the beast it unleashes, I don't know. But it's certainly that's what it feels like to me. And, and I guess with the, the point on these things that the president has the overall say, he's basically saying yes or no to each kind of information that they want to push forward i mean i mean i don't know if that's something that's common in america i have no idea how that kind of thing works with america but one does, is biden or whoever the next president could be at that time um but what we, we will be the next president by that time unless biden wins again um will he sort of have to have an interest in it and just got to hope that all the good stuff doesn't just get knowed. no 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 yeah. which is a possibility of happening if it comes down to it. Yeah, I think it'll be reporting to the office rather than the administration, as it were. It'll be reporting to whichever president's in. And because it, it's in law, assuming it passed, the president will have a duty to review the records and pass them or not. Now, if you've got a massive, the DOD's uh, man or woman in the White House who is at their pay, then he might say, oh, I'm not passing any of this, thanks, because the president has got, it's Achilles' heel, I don't think it is, but it is potentially, Mm. is that the president's got the power of veto on everything. It's, it's defined in the legislation. You can only ban it for certain reasons of national security or whatever. You can't just ban it for trivial reasons, but you can always think of something, can't you? So I think you'd have to engage, Ash, but if they did get their own person in the White House, they could certainly, if they had an anti-disclosure president, that could really hamper the efforts of this. And uh, But it is normal for the president always to have the final say. And I think that's democratically fine. And the act does sort of constrain the president. But it, it, any, when anybody has the power of veto, it's always subject to changeable interpretation, isn't it? 
I know where it talked about they can't use sort of previous um, national security reasons. It does even make reference to that quite early on in the document. Yeah. Um, the fact that the document also clarifies what each reference is. So it, like you mentioned, non-human intelligence, it tells you exactly what it is. One thing I do want to get onto in a bit um, after this uh, national security concern is around the observables that it mentions as well. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about that, Greg. You're right, yeah. yeah oh, well, so, well, I've done on my bit, really, for this, so we'll get into whatever you want, really. I mean, that, that, yeah. I, I, I think the interesting, certainly one of the interesting parts for me, there's a lot of very interesting parts, it talks around um, national security uh, and in the past, I'm trying to find the word in as we speak, um, where it talks around um, the fact that in the past we've sort of used a nuclear um, a nuclear sort of part of nuclear security Oh, yeah, I know what concerns. you mean. Not a bit you mean. And it, it basically says that you can't hide behind yeah, yeah, yeah. this particular... I'm trying to find the exact wording because yeah. it, it's quite interesting. And it basically stops people. It's um, relating to classified national security information due in part to exemptions under the Atomic Energy Act. Basically, they were using... Um, transclassified foreign nuclear information as a way of classifying information. And they were saying that under that, that particular concern, that's why we couldn't give you this information. We can't yeah. disclose it because... And they were using this particular law or this act as a coverall, but everybody was like national security concerns, but that was what it was relating to, the, the, the nuclear bit. So that was quite interesting. They obviously know that people are going to try and worm their way out of it by saying it's a national defence concern. We can't release this information. Yeah. And it, it cuts off that bit where people say, well, what is the national defence concern? They go, oh, nuclear stuff. They go, right, you can't use that anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've been using that probably for yeah, 75 years since Roswell. Yeah can't use it anymore and that, like we mentioned right at the start i think it's very watertight and they've thought of everything that these people i say these people these i'm talking people with a vested interest in this information not coming out um of which we can discuss about that later but another part of it was the observables so lou come up with these five observables before um and it was talking about what they were. Now they've they've actually in this particular document um, have put down what the observables are, and they are slightly different to to what we'd seen in the past. And it was interesting that they clarified what it would be. So, for example, so. They're basically one or more of the following observables. Instantaneous acceleration, absent apparent inertia. So not affected by gravity, just gone. Hypersonic velocity, absent of thermal signature and sonic shockwave, which I thought was quite good because they're basically no visible means from a heat signature point of view of propulsion. 
and also no sonic boom when it goes through the sound barrier because everything man-made or that we're aware of man-made as soon as it hits mach one the speed of sound it will it creates a sonic boom and anybody who's seen concord or reads the news that every now and again they'll hear these these booms are heard around the country and it's where jets have responded to a, a like a russian threat so that was quite interesting transmedium which is a fairly new word but it says space to ground to air and air to undersea travel positive lift contrary to known aerodynamic principles which i thought was an interesting one that's anti-grav isn't it yeah, anti-gravity, multi-spectral signature control. Not entirely sure what that specifically means. Yeah, that, um, that, go on, sorry. And then phys- physical or invasive biological effects to close observers and the environment, which I thought was an interesting one. Yeah. That it mentions, uh, and we've talked about, and they've they've talked about um, as part of the congressional hearings and Arrow uh, uh, and all these task force about the effect it has on people that have had close encounters, essentially, <laughs> um, and the physiological effects. And you could it could be deemed as being a UAP if only one of those things. Yeah. So if there's been an interaction with something and it's caused a physiological effect on someone, that can be classed as a UAP and can come under this act. So I thought that was quite interesting because you've got people, uh, contractors, third-party contractors, which we, we can come on to the effects on them, but they're, they're potentially new technology that they're, these groundbreaking technologies, it doesn't need to be non-human yeah. intelligence yeah. created. It If it has an effect on someone, that can be classed as UAP. Yeah. So... Yeah, Which was quite interesting wording. Yeah, they've got a clause in it though. It could they call them temporary, unattributable yes. things. Yeah. If they found out it was, uh, you know, the Patel sort of uh, mine gun, you know, yeah. patented in whatever, then they, that that get knocked off the yeah. list. But so yeah. that'd be how they yeah. get out of that. But yeah. what's interesting as you were talking, and it made me think, and because they've done that thermal signature, you're right. But what if you think about what Kirk Paskin and the DOD and all that have done, they're going, oh yeah, these weird things have happened. And we don't know what they are. We can't explain them. Mmm. Scratch the chin. Then that's the end of it. This is saying definitely that if you see one of those things, then it's a NAHI. So it's closing that loop. It's stopping people being able to say, oh, well, that's interesting. I wonder what that is then. And, and they get they stand with you and look at the same thing you're looking at as if it's yeah. a mystery. And then everybody walks away having done nothing about it. That kills that, doesn't it? Because it clearly links that to what, NHI is. So the next time you've got something that does a right angle turn at whatever, Mach 20, then we know that's NHI and then we should be yep. going after it. That makes and it's interesting because as much as they're divisive characters, Corbell particularly, George Knapp I like, but Corbell, where they're releasing these photos and these like series of five images of this object with no apparent heat signature, and they're, they're saying no apparent heat signature. Yeah. That kind of, it suggests that they've, they're aware of some of this wording coming up. Yeah, no. And it pushes yeah. that towards that now. And I, I kind of see it. Yeah. I mean, the whole flare thing is another thing. But, yeah, but, but some of these images, 
No, it's right because it, it, it basically stops it because of this definition and the legal definition. It does it say it does what it stops them playing dumb basically or just trying to stop it and saying that's interesting, low information, all these cobblers. It stops it. There's a clear causal link between the two, and I think again this is we come back to it's based on this evidence they've heard, and whatever evidence they've heard must be pretty strong. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's been the turning point. It's turned people who are very pretty hard-nosed into not believers in that sense, but people who, who have been convinced by by the proof they've been presented with, as it were. And and again, this this is why there's so many definitions. You're right to pick up on that, Greg, because it, it stops all this wiggle room again. It's all about putting these people into a box. I think that they can't get out of into a straitjacket. Now. Yeah. It'd be a bit like that comedy thing, you know, where the person sticks a finger out of the binds and, oh, no, you haven't got all my body, you know, constrained, you know, or whatever, they move their eyelash or something. But they're pretty tightly constrained, I think, now. And they'll be thinking, because if you remember Gary Nolan said a couple of years ago, they all sat around in those initial hearings laughing at the wording of the legislation. That was what he reported. Obviously, they weren't laughing in the hearing, but these people, oh, we can get out of it this way, we can get out, you know, they were just thinking how they could run rings around it. And this is sort of stopping that now. You know, he's got, he's got that's why it's so carefully worded. But yeah, that's really interesting on five observables that I, I noticed that. And back on the, that, that atomic stuff, yeah, they were using that. I mean, they've got sources and methods, and that won't get them everywhere. And they're obviously misapplying that atomic stuff, saying treating everything as if it was an atomic secret when it wasn't. Mm -hmm. So again, that was part of that uh, cover up and overreach and all the rest of it. They stopped that. It's also some of that wording hints pretty strongly at the DOE as well, because we know that the DOE, oh, well, sorry, we don't know. I strongly believe the DOE is at the heart of this with their saps, and I've said that a few times on various things, and that they hold a lot of these secrets, so they'll be in the frame as well, because they've got, a, at the moment, they've got a, a lack of accountability to Congress because they're at arm's length, as I've said a couple of times before. But I think this act sort of starts to eat into that as well. And, and you know, and they're all going to be, they're going to have to hand it over as well, really. Particularly, I'm thinking about the propulsion. And it all links into the IAA Act again, the Intelligence Authorization Act, where it was talking about these technologies, people having to give them up the language, same kind of definitions. And again, turning the tables and putting the onus on the secret keepers to fess up or to give up the stuff. And that's what this eminent domain's about as well. So, I mean, it's absolutely mental, actually. But, uh, yes, and as I say, I think the hearings are going to fan the flames. Did you say you wanted to talk about what else they were? Did you want to go next, guys? Or did you have anything to say about all that? Christ, we could spend about five <laughs> shows on all this, couldn't we? I know. Yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah, there is this, I mean, there's so much to cover. I think, like, obviously the main point's there. And also another point that, I mean, it's kind of written in there, like, say, Greg saying it's all watertight, is you sort of mention, like, every single possible government agency, anyone that's ever worked with a government, any contractor, so it does cover, like, literally, unless you're a man on the street yeah. that's got this information, that does the thing, like, literally, they have, it includes everything, there's, like, 20 odd different parts of departments, and I even go, I mentioned the Manhattan Project, and all this stuff, and it's just like say the word. It's, it's just so hard to get over the wording of yeah. it. You just wouldn't ever think that this is be something that we're wording just seeing like non-human intelligence yeah. and like with the we talk about the observables and the biological effects of being near to a non-human intelligence. It's like 
it sounds like like this the act itself is almost disclosed by saying like yeah. the, the, so it's so matter of fact. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's not like believed non-human intelligence or it's they saying there is non-human intelligence. You're right, it's a fact, isn't it? That's the big thing. You're treating it as a fact, so they must know something. Just getting back to those five reserves, it reminds me. Now, we know they're probably talking about damage that they've caused, either to brain damage or whatever it is, uh, the Havana syndrome. I know it's not that, but, you know, something like that. But I think it might be talking about Slide 9 stuff as well. Do you remember that famous Slide 9 where they introduced that... uh, it was a solemn from, I think it was A-tip or something. It was a slide that they put forward about defence possibilities and the, the capability of a... And it was about they could influence human thinking, they could go through solid spaces. There's was a, basically about the power they had to both uh, affect people's thinking, manipulate human perception, walk through, you know, do various different scientific things. And it might there might be a veiled reference to that in there as well. So say you had an encounter with some screen memories or your mind... You were made to think something or crash your plane into a wall. I don't know, you know. I think there's probably something like that as well. I've uh, just had a thought. I've just had a thought as we've been we've been talking about this and this physiological effects. First of all, my mind went to Virginia and the fact that there was these interactions which caused the yeah. death of someone yeah. and um, like the smell and all this kind of stuff. But and then you you mentioned about screen memories and like mind control or or influence in the mind. At what point is that an introduction to abduction cases? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, well, because that's that's a whole. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't. We've come this far. <laughs> no, well, but, that, but that's that's the uh, elephant in the room, isn't it? And. Uh, don't think yep. they, they want to go there yet. I mean, that might be part of the reason for, as we've, we've speculated before, it might be part of the reason that they're worried. It, because if they had, because he does mention treaties rush and all the rest of it, and one of the big tropes or maybe narrative, maybe troops, is that we did a deal where we allowed a certain number of abductions under control conditions, and, and that's something they could never explain to the public. No. But also, it's, you, you know, scare people to death, you know. That would be the collapse of society, I think, yeah, if yeah. if it came out that we allow, or we, as in the government, allowed humans to be taken for experimental purposes. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, if you think about it, if you were in the government, though, you, well, hey, the, the dilemma of, the, of the, the people who want disclosure has been honesty versus believability versus getting it through, you know, real politics, you know, get, being pragmatic to get it through. Because there's no point letting it all hang out there and it all fails because no, everybody thinks you're mad, you know? So it's always a dilemma in our field and it's led to a lot of people who are experiencing feelings they've been marginalised, which is true to a big extent. And it's the extent to which they should be kept on the sidelines and brought in later or, you know, is their truth so crucial now to make these fundamental decisions? It's very difficult. But if you were a, the disclosing authority, you would have to think about, this is why they've got the sociologist on, a historian or whatever, coming back to that, to think about what the different effects are. Because you can't just tell everybody everything all at once. No, you I, can't. I, and plus the fact, I, I think we've got a lot of these narratives have been overlaid with sci-fi narratives and people's fevered imaginations. And it's very rare, but it's that simple, isn't it? You know, it's easy to think, oh, yeah, they did this. Did this. You can see how somebody 
gets a bit of information and then fills in the gap with sort of mental, imaginative superglue, you know, where, oh, yeah, we signed, we said they could take a certain number or whatever. That could just be made up. We don't know. So it might be a lot more subtle. It might be yeah. we haven't got any control and we can't stop it anyway. There might have been, not been any treaty. There might have been a treaty just not to shoot each other down. That might have been it. We don't know. I mean, if there was any treaty, that is. We don't know that. There are treaties we think about it. So I think it's just a minefield, and I think it's both a minefield of shocking people and it's a minefield of maybe a barrier to disclosure, And but it's also a reason for massive secrecy. So it has all these different facets, this abduction question, that makes it such a difficult ball yeah. to deal with, doesn't it? You know, and I, I don't really... So I sort of think, well, maybe we shouldn't go too far, but I also find myself siding with the experiences who've been marginalised. Uh, yeah, you know, it's a difficult one, really. Yeah, definitely. So I was going to say, I've got a question for you, Ash. Okay. But if, you, if you're going to care, if you want to add to that, I will, I will ask the question. I've got this question that I'll, I'll ask both of you, but I'll come back to that. Uh, yeah, I was going to say on that, on that point of like the biological effects on people, if the government says, oh, yeah, we knew this was happening and we either A, allowed it, or B, we, we couldn't stop it, we knew it was happening, but we don't know what the technology is, so we've no way of stopping it. Or if they had, like, say, some kind of treat or whatever, does that open up the legal side of it for basically being sued by these people? The government knew about it and then lied about knowing about it and then didn't do anything to help these people and they knew it was happening. Does that, obviously, we're not lawyers, but would that open up floodgates for, for well, that I, kind of thing? Well, I don't know. I, I think that, A, legally did look at what their real liability would be and how much they could have stopped it, whether they could be held deemed to be held responsible, and whether they allowed it or not, how much, if they couldn't stop it, how much liability would it be? Would they treat it like force majeure, like a force of nature, it's something you can't control? That's a legal principle, isn't it? And they might also build into some of these acts limited liability, like they have done for these contractors who hand in their materials in the Intelligence Authorization Act. If you do it now, you won't be subject to legal penalty. I mean, I'm not sure how legal that is because there's a load of talk about them being sued by other aerospace companies who weren't in the magic circle and whose firms closed or didn't make the advances Boeing or, or allegedly or these other people did. You know, Battelle and all these other people who made the Lockheed, I should say, who made these advances. So I think, yeah, I think they're going to have to do something that locks all that down, Ash, legally. Because otherwise, it would just destroy the state and cripple everything. And there may well be some general reparation or something or some recognisable compensation, but it, but it's not linked materially to the actual level of damage. But I'm not. I'm doing a pretty good job of trying to sound like one, aren't I? But I'm not. Aware, <laughs> that's why you had me sold. Yeah, yeah. That's what happened. <laughs> Uh, I, I think they're going to have to do something because otherwise it'd be never ending. And the America is a litigious society. America is mm. it's mm. a mercantile society, and a, a, um, you know, litigious one. So those two things tend to go hand in hand. And uh, you know, but anyway, yeah. So it's a real good question, though. It's a real good question because the legal thing. Because if they let themselves get stuck on that, it'll stymie it all. So I think mm. you just got oh, the to budget we got on yeah, lawyers. Yeah, you've just got to draw the line under it and say, I'm sorry, it was a weird situation. We didn't know how to deal with it. It was out of it was out of our experience as a human race, you know. And I'm sorry, it's force majeure, and we, you're going to have to suck it up. Is what they're going to say, aren't they? And uh, 
and see what everybody says then. <laughs> maybe That's I what direct make... line would say. Yeah, you might ask, you're going to have to suck it up. Yeah, I'm sorry, yeah. <laughs> that, oh, tell you, took one, yeah. <laughs> you took one for the team, basically. Yeah, that's right. That's what that, I mean, but it, they are going to have to draw a line under it because it is a, it is a very, I mean, it's oh, well, it, by definition, it's an unprecedented situation, isn't it? And I mean, so we got we got um, talking about abductions very briefly. Um, you got the whole cow mutilation thing because that could be the initial disclosure that they were taking animals. So yeah. these weird things have happened. But then, if you talk if you talk about cow mutilations, which is an episode we're going to focus on in the future, you've got people like Colm Kelleher who explains the fact that there were special access programs on black projects linked to mad cow disease uh, and BSE within the population of animals across the US that were piggybacking on the cow mutilation mystery and they were doing black projects to see the spread of BSE across all the animal population in the US. So I don't know if they're going to try and use some of these phenomena that has been associated historically with um, UFOs and like weird phenomena as a basis to saying that they were black projects rather than people being or cows being taken willy-nilly from farmers' fields and dumped with body parts missing and with surgical precision. Um, I mean, I, I, don't want, I, don't, I don't want to the extent that the tail can wag the dog there, though. I mean, they could say a certain amount of it was that sort of thing, and we know yeah. there's almost this sort of... Uh, there's also evidence with uh, my labs, if you believe any of that or all the rest of it, that you've got the government desperately yeah. chasing the alien phenomenon or the, or the other phenomenon to try and find out what it's doing, and then you've got the phenomenon mimicking the government helicopters, you know, or whatever, yeah. apparel to a height. So it's this whole convoluted thing, but yeah, I oh, think it's murky. Yeah. But murky. if you took the balance of activity, I could I could appreciate somebody saying to me, well, 20% of it was our own activity. But if somebody yeah. tried to tell me all of it was our own activity, uh, yeah. then I wouldn't wear that. And it's the difference between, you might not be able to tell what speed a car is actually going, but you can tell the difference between a car that's going 70 and a car that's doing 30, can't you? And I think yeah, that's sort definitely. of broad so, radiation use. So... Do, so I've got a couple of questions now off all the back of this. <clears throat> Sorry, guys. And it's anybody really interested in this, this, actually, to get into this, because it's that rare yeah. chance to talk it through in this, like this. Yeah. yeah, and to people listening to this episode, this is kind of hot off the press stuff. So we're like we've done on previous episodes where we've been talking about new UAP news that's come out. We're recording it, this, as is yeah. happening, got, really. Just before you ask the questions, I've also got an update on where we are with the uh, hearings as well, which we'll do if we've got time at the end. Uh, yeah, yeah. We'll, we, ask, we ask away, because this is, this is great. Yeah. So, first one. So, we talk about the fact that there's going to be... Uh, one of the observables is the uh, physiological effects or uh, any sort of adverse effect on close encounter experiences. Does that count for Area 51? Because... There's very, there's a lot of tales or accounts where, say, for example, a husband has this job that he goes 
to Area 51, does this work, comes back, his wife doesn't know, or his partner doesn't know, because he can't tell her due to NDAs and whatnot, what he does there. He becomes ill, and she can't tell the hospital or anybody what he does for a living and what potentially has caused him this illness, and he dies. And the, the, there's been some of the documentaries about Area 51 and people that have worked there, that their other halves or their spouses have said that they became ill. It's almost, almost like a cancerous type thing ever since they worked at Area 51. Whether it's coincidence or not, I don't know. But because they don't know the line of work that their partner's doing, is that do you think that is the kind of thing that's going to be covered often on this because there's people it says in the act it's direct that's indirect for me while it's terrible and awful and you know very regrettable and a tragedy yeah it's indirect covered by normal it's almost like a health and safety thing the more interesting point not that that's not interesting but the more more difficult point is what about the hitchhiker effect Yes. What would happen there? Now, you'd have to set up a whole commission on the paranormal consciousness. You'd have to have a whole inquiry to understand what that is because that could be a direct effect. What what if it followed you for 20 years, like, or killed you? Or not killed you, but killed a member of your family or stressed them out? And that is you right into the heart of the beast, as it were, in terms of what it is, this trickster, this deeper underbelly of what the thing could be. You're right yeah, into the heart, then, aren't you? And I think they'd stay clear of that, but, but I think that is a. I think somebody dies of stress because of the work, that's indirect and unfortunate. But I think the hitchhiker one would pose significant issues. And I think they might. Yeah. They'd probably put that in a special consideration box, put a committee in there, and probably send them to Alaska for 20 years until they're ready to talk about it because that's so is difficult. It, they wouldn't. Yeah, would. With the Area 51 one, I, w- I was more thinking that if they're working on exotic materials and they, their close proximity to these exotic materials causes them to become ill. Oh, yeah, that definitely. That's direct, I think. Sorry, yeah. I, I'm talking like I know. I'm just saying in terms of the, this. I think mm. that's And that, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. That you've got people who've worked at Area 51 that potentially would come out and do a Bob Lazar type thing. Yeah. Um, so my second question was, we talked about third-party contractors, the fact that Lockheed, Martin, Skunk Works have, have been at the forefront of um, Black Project Money indirectly, because it all goes through whatever, um, and they've clearly had um, special treatment. I don't know if you'd call it that. But there appears to be that Lockheed Martin Skunk Works always seem to be the ones that have got this. Bringing out the new fighters, they're bringing out... Um, like, you only need to watch the new Top Gun Maverick film and the plane that he flies to Mach 10 is a Skunk Works yeah. plane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that much of a um, sort of a, a normal thing that Skunk Lockheed Martin are the, are the defence contractors that have got these advanced propulsion machines potentially, that what effect would this legislation have on companies like that who are owned by shareholders? Because although they're they're a defence contractor and they have people interested in what they do from an investment point of view, if it comes out that they've had, 
because they've had to give up this exotic material that they've been trying to back engineer for decades. Obviously, their share price would go through the roof to begin with because people go, oh, okay, you're a good company to invest in because you're you're way ahead of the curve. But then they've got to give up all that technology to the government. Government just takes it, and like you mentioned, uh, it becomes government property at that point. Does it tank the share price and, and Lockheed Martin goes under? So there's a very big... Um, effect of this whole thing that would there's obviously many people influencing at high levels of government in the US and lobbying that are probably part of Lockheed Martin investment schemes they're the kind of people that probably don't want all this stuff to come out do you think they are the people that are going to try and nobble it and will they become apparent as we move forward with this act well, I think they will try and nobble it. I think, yeah, mm. but I think they'll also try and cut a deal. And some of them might want to divest themselves of it as well. I mean, there's the interesting we share. the most Because, I mean, the American defence model since the war has been to farm out weapons development to private contractors. It's much more than a neighbour country. That's how their economy works. So they've got a big track record of that. It's just that they did favours to a lot of them. Grumman, Battelle, uh, what's it called? Lockheed, a couple of the others. I can't remember names of escaping. But it's about five of them. We've all benefited from that. Now, the question, first question is how far do they have to declare national secrets to the shareholders in terms of intrinsic value? Because you have to tell the shareholder value. How far, who owns it, and then was it lent or not? And, and But I think they're just, just all these questions are very difficult to answer in court. Mm. They're very imponderable. So I think they're going to have to cut a deal whereby everybody's happy. You know, they get fair value for the thing, they're preferred. They're confident that they'll develop this technique, they're part of the party in the future, they're absolved from the liability. There'll be, there's, there's a lot of swings and roundabouts for these companies because they've acted illegally or complicitly in illegal cover-up. So they're in trouble in one way, but also they've got intellectual property and developed stuff in another. So I think it's going to be, I think they'll do a deal. I think they'll have to do a deal and put in the lobbying will maybe not nobble it. Oh, well, maybe they're being naive. I think it will just tail of a deal and within that IAA thing about you be absolved from any legal responsibility within that piece of law if it goes through that might be the path whereby they sort everybody out so they can still keep trading uh, the shareholders can't sue them and they can still keep going and everybody's happy that's what I think will happen Greg I think it'll be a, a classic uh, mercantile compromise of the American states so good at you know? but uh, cool. again I I'm no I, that's just my stab at it. I don't know. God, it's made me feel ill, that answer, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've got, we can go to hearings anytime you like, or the five eyes, don't mind, really. We, you can lead, Dave. Oh, sure. Well, I, I will, unless you want to dive in with anything. But hearings, yeah, uh, as you know, there's a couple of interesting things here. Oh, uh, right. Okay, there's, there's supposedly two sets of hearings going to happen. And it's all rumours, this. And then they get they don't want to confirm anything too soon because they get nobbled then, you see. Everybody gets, you know, discredited and somebody puts the fix in and suddenly people are not passing vetting and all these weird things start to happen. You know, and, uh, you know, Grush was nasty to his nanny when he was free and all the rest of it. And it comes out. And, oh, but anyway, so it's been a bit... But the thinking is, 
There's going to be one in July that Timber Shet's been pushing for, which is a congressional hearing through the Oversight Committee. And there's one in, sep one in September in the Senate, which is the Intelligence Committee or the Armed Services Committee. We now know that's been confirmed for the 26th of July, which is next Wednesday, I think. And all being well, we might do a round table show on the Thursday. That's our plan anyway. I hope we can do yeah. that just for people listening. So we're now broken. What day is it today? Wednesday the 19th, is it? Correct. Yeah, it's the 19th. So apparently Bichette's going to announce the witnesses tomorrow. Although who knows? That's the, that's the word he's going to say because he's trying to keep it for the last post because he should have announced them all by now. So that's what's going to happen. It's almost certain through what people have said famous last words that Grush is going to testify but it's take your pick of who else might testify from them and there's loads of rumours is it going to be Lou Elizondo who is it going to be is it going to be uh, what's his name uh, not Dave Frave the other one Ryan Frave that's it but there's a couple of other interesting because I hope because in a way that's great but I've heard of, I've heard of, and he's a great witness Lou would be fantastic because he could assuming he could say what he, he was able to say I believe but I want, what the hope is, you'd have Grush and then somebody else who could corroborate what he's saying, i.e. somebody who worked hand, with a hand on the craft, as it were, on one of these projects, and maybe somebody higher up who could testify to the architecture of uh, cover-up and the car programme and all the rest of it. Now, there's a couple of potential candidates I'd like to see. One's a fellow called Daniel Simpson, who apparently worked with Grush in Afghanistan, he was, uh, he was in charge of uh, the emergency response team, perfect for crash retrieval. Apparently, he was high up in the thing, and he apparently had worked on his and put hand on a craft. So he's a pretty, you know, he's one character who might come forward saying what he's seen. There's another fellow called Carl Nell who come out in support of Grush, you may remember. And he was high up in the Space Force, and he, was, he said that, yeah, there has been a big cover-up, and there's that other fellow, Jonathan Gray, who's not his real name, he works at the uh, National Reconnaissance Office and NS, NSA, the Space Observancy thing, I can't remember what the acronym stands for. So we might see people like these come out. Uh, but the only worry is with Tim Burchette doing it, it's a bit, might, might be a bit like the Beverly Hillbillies, do you know what I mean? You know, and, uh, you know, and it might be, a, that's a very bad, terrible slur, but you might be a bit disorganised, basically. I, I, I mean... I don't agree with his politics, but he's done a good job for this, so I'm going to treat, keep it on a bike price. I've got to say, I don't mind giving slurs against Bershaw. Yeah, yeah. uh... But if it was Marjorie Taylor Green, that'd be a bit different. Bershaw, I, I can sort because I probably don't, he's probably not as vocal as her. But anyway, let's not get into that. The point is, I can. he's, he's done a good job, he's pushed for it, but he, he's a bit of a, he's more of a rabble rouser than he is, a, uh, you know, a considered advocate, isn't he? And uh, that's, the, that's the issue with him. So we hope it's not going to be some incompetent sort of uh, fandango of what well, Farago was the word I was looking for of crap, where you have rubbish evidence or brilliant evidence with whatever. So I'm hoping it won't be that. So I'm hoping because he said on one show, I don't know what I'm going to ask yet. I thought Christ, I think it was on Project Unity. I think God, I hope that's just some sort of uh, you know God dang it. So you know when he plays that old whatever. Oh God, dang nabbit. You know and he does all that for me as if. <laughs> He's just come out from shooting rabbits or something. Uh, but I don't think he, he's as, as daft as that. But anyway, he said that. I thought, I do hope somebody's written the questions for you. So we don't know. But I that comes back to what I said at the start of this. I'm thinking if Grush is allowed to testify and ask questions, 
And I think that will be very powerful. And if you've got another type, rush type person, no matter who else you've got, it will really set things going. It's just easy questions. We could ask simple questions. Who's been killed? Have they tried to down the craft? What were the treaties about? And he doesn't have to give away. There's a way to answer these questions in enough detail that doesn't breach national security. He managed to do it with Ross on the interview. I'm sure he can do it here. I wonder if he'll have his lawyer with him just advising him as he's talking because he's a really smart guy, of course. But so, so these hearings are happening. I mean, if you think about we had rumours. I mean, again, it's like all of this stuff. If you pinch yourself, you wouldn't believe any of it. Going back to what you are, you just wouldn't believe it's going so fast. But I thought, God, we're not going to get hearings. But we've had such a sort of measly portions for years, you know, and anything's a bloody great victory. And we're, at, we're having this hearings. We had rumours now there was one on the 26th of July with Grush. Now, I think regardless of what it's going if he testifies, that's mad, mad, you know. And, and, I, and then, God knows what's going to happen then. And I think it's a tiger by the tail for all of them, which is maybe why they're bringing this legislation out now. Because once he said that, what happens then? You know, what questions are going to be asked? And maybe that's why they're getting this architecture in place now and uh, trying to do it because they know what's coming. I mean, I don't, and it's the same with that Five Eyes stuff. I thought he was winding them up at first, that Canadian MP who said, you better get your ducks in order here because it's coming now. It's coming down the tracks in America. It's all going to, and you're going to end up looking pretty stupid. Mm -hmm. But now I think that he was, he wasn't just playing a game and trying to get him, you know, gold him into telling the truth or whatever trick. And he was actually being serious. And think of the international ramifications of this. You know, there's, uh, there's so many things that could happen. People are going to be asking our parliament. Man, I've written to my MP a couple of times now with detailed stuff about this. And he's not said, oh, yes, sent me some tinfoil through the post. He said, that's interesting. There's maybe not enough evidence now, but keep me informed. They're interested. They know about it. The civil service will know about it. And like in Canada and all these other countries, it's going to become uh, a big issue. I mean, we've got the UN thing set up. That may become very, very important, that UN thing, because the UN is traditionally in international politics. When it all goes to shit, basically, they, they wheel the UN yeah, as the international pressure valve and they're all about to kill each other. So the UN doesn't do anything 95% of the time. But when there's trouble, the UN is the court. They can all sort of not back down in a graceful manner. And that might be what the UN's function is in here. It becomes the sort of... Because the problem with this is, once the, the, the Russia and China know about this, it, tend, it could destabilise the nuclear deterrence thing. Because if you've got this UAP technology and the US have got it, first strike capability gives them a massive first strike capability. It could unbalance that theory of mutual assured destruction. And that is a serious issue which is going to need to be discussed. I mean, because they've got redundancy built in, which is called second strike, which means they work at the they plan for a first strike and they've got second strike, which is the nuclear submarine, basically. So I don't think having a massive UAP would solve that problem. So I don't think they'll all start firing missiles quickly. But nonetheless, it's a destabilisation of that international security. So there's all that. So it's the ramification could just massively go out, you know. Uh, so that is, you know, so I'm, I suppose I've gone a long way from that, uh, from the hearings thing. But I do think they're going to have a big impact. Uh, even if it's a bit comical, I think if Grush testifies, I think that'll still be pretty big. I don't know what you guys think. Well, yeah, talk about the hearings. I mean, 
hopefully when this goes out, we'll have had the, the conference telling us who's going to be there. And I'm personally hoping for all people, apart from maybe Grush, everyone else is brand new names, brand new people. Yeah. So that we're getting more people, more people who have been in these high positions coming forward. As much as good it would be to have like Lou there and people like that, I think having new people like Grush and in similar positions, if it's full of people like that who are now bringing new information, new names, new faces, I think that would be a stronger way forward. And then it's just, and then it's sort of saying that this process is, is working and these people are coming out now, more people more often. And that'd be a lot more interesting uh, than, like, say, having, although obviously we wouldn't like to hear more of what Lou knows and what Chris Mellon knows. They always allude to knowing a lot more than what they say. It would be good to be able to hear what Lou can say if you can see more stuff. But to have new people in the conversation, I think that would that would be well preferred for me anyway. Yeah, I totally agree with Ash. I really do. Because what we've, it's great to hear from, but we've heard it all before, really, haven't we? And it, I know we know more about it, but I think it would move the ball down the field, as it were, because it's all, if we focus on this programme, that's a real big piece of evidence. It's a nuts and bolts thing that's been happening that everybody can sort of equally view without that many preconceptions, I know be preconceptions, but they can view it, and it's a thing, isn't it, that's physically happened. And I think that would be a real... I mean, whether they'll get that, I think he's going to go for a pilot's grush, and he'll go for a mixture, I think. Uh, and that's because I think yeah, he's a bit of a loose cannon, really. But I don't, I'm not, I don't think anybody knows, really. I mean, uh, I think he's being advised by people. I hope he is, anyway, you don't, but you don't know. But I agree with you, so I do totally. As long as it's not Nick Pope, then... Um... Yeah, oh, poor old Nick. <laughs> <laughs> Although he's been pretty good on the Grush thing. I know he, I know, uh, I mean, uh, he's, been, he's been pretty, I mean, I know he's sort of changed his approach and he's doing more for stuff there, but he has at least, I know he appears everywhere, but he did at least, he was pretty good on the Grush thing. He was more, he, he come out and, because he, he sounds pretty good on camera, I think. He, he, hmm. he didn't trash it. Like some of these people that go for clicks, trash anything that's not, Theirs, don't they? You know, I mean, they're absolutely merciless. But yeah, forget about. Well, let's not talk about it. <laughs> I'm trying to bail over that. Uh, so there's another. I mean, I don't know what we like for time, I and mean, we'll be going on for a bit. Have you got any? Have you got any? Any? Any other stuff? Because I've got a couple of final things that are a bit different. Well, I wanted to. Yeah, to ask, well, yeah. You go. Yeah, go. On. Uh, kind of related. Kind of not really relating to. It kind of is a little bit. Um, but it was for my for my thoughts. I think we did we speak. I don't know who spoke about this last night on this week's last week's episode, Greg. Um, but anonymous now coming out and being, we're oh, going to yeah. get disclosure. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, we're we going to hack. We're going to get these documents. We're going to get these files. And like my my initial thought was like, just fuck off. Like there's been lots What's of people. What's the word you yeah. used here? Yeah. Working like putting the pressure on for years and years and this is happening it's like we've already got it happening we don't need them jumping on the bandwagon yeah yeah i don't know much so, about him I, I, frank was telling me about him the other day actually funnily enough because he, all he was explaining you know i, I knew about yeah i'd heard of him i'm not stupid or whatever but i'm not really but i haven't thought of that because i did think it could be a bit disruptive but you're right i mean if they jump on the bandwagon just as we're about to put the final jenga piece in Mm. They go way, you know. I mean, then we don't want that. I have thought that. That's a good point. Yeah, it's like, yeah, we 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 
we got disclosure. We 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 done this, and it's like we're already there. Well, on the precipice of yeah being there, you can just go. Like, we don't we don't need you. Like stop. Here's bandwagon for me. It's just this is part. This is happening. Yeah. Let's now get involved. Where have you been for the past 10, 15 years that you could have been helping the cause or whatever? Don't come in now. It's my kind of take on it when I saw it. I was like, like no, don't. I do like them usually. Like, yeah. a lot of stuff they do is really, really good stuff. It's for the benefit of everybody. It's what, it's what they do. Um, but I'm just, in this case, I'm just like, no, we, we, I don't want it. Yeah, I mean, a bit late I mean, to the party. Yeah, I mean, I mean, their message seemed to me to be, although I don't, as I say, I may be trying to interpret sort of anarchic sort of actions and not doing it really. But uh, their, their message seems to be, if you don't start fessing up now, US government, we're coming for you, as opposed to we're coming for you anyway. But I suppose, uh, again, they are a bit, well, well literally a law unto themselves. They, 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 they could just, you know, their level of patience may not be the required level of patience, really, I suppose. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, that's the issue, isn't it? I mean, uh, it's a delicate dance, this. I mean, it, I think in the community we've got to think about that. We've got to hold the feet to the fire, but not so much that they, they burn the souls, you know what I mean, and they can't go anywhere, you know. That's that's, that's the point, isn't it? Uh, we've, we've got a pressure, but we've got to know when not to. And uh, also the subtlety of that is when you say, oh, no, no more, and you actually could give them a bit more, they just sort of fade in it, you know what I mean? It's hard to know when to take your foot off the pedal, isn't it? And this is the same with this. When... Is it only through somebody once said to me, "Years you only ever get anything in British big social, big social reform when you have a riot in Britain." Now I think that's a little extreme, but there is some truth to it as well. Do you know what I mean? So uh, I don't know. We've got to think, I suppose, how much to push it. But I, I, that feels a little unhelpful, like you were saying to me, if they just dive in now. Yeah, it's a really interesting point, actually. Yeah, just so I was, yeah, that's bad. my kind of point on it was just, yeah, just wanting yeah. to mention yeah. that. Yeah, I think fuck off now sort of uh, <laughs> sums it up quite eloquently, really, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Uh, well, I had uh, just just something I was thinking about, and I just wondered what you guys would think about it, just for the implications of society, because if we look right down the road, I mean, if you look in the short to medium term, so we're going to have hearings. We might have some more legislation. Might become a presidential running issue. Uh, we might have some massive government inquiries, like Godfather Two. You know, where you have them, there is a complete falsehood. You know, when he says that classic line in Godfather Two, brilliant. Uh, after it's all true, uh, massive government. It might be a big. There might be trials. There could be this amnesty setting up. You know, like a truth and reconciliation, like in South Africa. There may be a possible coup attempt. You know, from the from the forces of non-disclosure. God knows. I've said that about deterrence and the UN hearings, which I've said. So there could be a lot of stuff coming down. But if you think about the wider thing, uh, the biggest issue for me, and I was saying this the other day to, to Frank on one of the other shows we did, it was a couple, about a month ago now. The biggest thing is how do we handle the tech safely? Because it's clearly very dangerous. If what we know is to be believed, it's very dangerous, but very powerful. So in the wrong hands, it could blow half the planet up, literally. You know, somebody said, there, you give, sell somebody a bloody, uh, you know, you, you zero-point car and then go off and blow half the planet up. So it'd probably be handled like nuclear power. So there's all that. But I think we might see, 
well, if it's controlled, we might see because it, but it could offer the chance to solve climate issues and problems with effective free energy in time, really solve poverty. What will be the effects on the system? Because it's, it's not resort, resources a lot more freer up. And uh, maybe even poverty in time in that world. But I mean, I know that's very utopian, but it could have a massive impact on society and how we see ourselves. And we might be likely to see a gap, but we might just see a gradual transition in tech as well. So sort of a big scientific renaissance as well, as well as the spiritual, which I'll come to in a minute. So our material science might improve. The efficiency of machines and power conservation might improve a lot. We might have big links to understanding consciousness and innovation and machine operation and how that works. Uh, there could be sort of something around how we manipulate matter with consciousness and uh, will our AI get linked to understanding this tech and will that be a breakthrough? Will our AI be enhanced by this tech? I mean, I know what I'm talking, it could be a disaster as well, couldn't it? But anyway, yeah, there could be a lot of new population propulsion solutions that are intermediate just using science we've learned some of the principles we learned don't have to be zero point or the full sort of bifters as it were on the zero gravity it could be something else so there could be a load of design solutions that you, so it could be a massive impact and it could be a social renaissance and a, i mean a religious renaissance even myself a sort of hard materialist coming into this in 2017 the more i've learned about consciousness funny through the ancient civilizations route as well and I think they had a tech that really they had more conscious manipulation of matter with the mind, and it was more based on consciousness. I don't want to get into all that now. And consciousness is massively overused in the community by people who sometimes I don't think they've got a clue what they're talking about. But anyway, some people have a good view. But through that, talk about that and the idea of a particular double slit experiment whereby consciousness effectively creates matter. You know, to massive, massive shorthand, but you need consciousness, so it's like a force of nature, like gravity. You know, that sort of that is a, almost a religious thing, isn't it? It's almost like the universal consciousness that may exist is almost like a god or something. So, inevitably, when you get into thinking about these things, it makes it's a more of a spiritual discussion. I like a lot of the stuff you guys do. So, there could be not only a scientific renaissance, but maybe a spiritual renaissance not through anybody sitting there just through how the thing develops and it could have a massive sort of impact on our society then if we see if we think we've been modified evidence of that comes out if our history is not what we thought it was all these old things that we held true once one goes maybe others will go and it could lead to a massive difference in the way we view ourselves i mean my only problem with that is will what impact would all that have on a despotic regime like some of, you know, Russia, China, whatever, whatever your politics are, whatever, just to say that those, or North Korea? Because what effect would that level of consciousness raising have on those regimes? Would it change them at all, you know, because they're all about power, aren't they? Or would people rise up or what would it do? What would that, vi where would that good energy, as it were, stop? Where would it, the waves lap against? So it's really, uh, so I, I don't know if we sort of even started to think about what it might mean, really. I mean, I don't, mm. I'm sorry, I'm talking like I know, I don't really. It's just, just that was where I got after a couple of minutes, not, you know, about thinking about it for a bit. And, you know, it's really, and then there's the alien thing, and I'll end on this. We might be looking at what their culture is, what their view of religion is, how do they think. And the other thing is, 
one thing about the aliens is they're almost like a, they're like God, only a God you can talk to in a way. Because you can see terrible things that happen and you can appeal to God, why would you let this happen? But it's always a sort of rhetorical question. But with an ET prince who've got godlike powers, they're there. You can ask them the question theoretically. They can answer you. And in time we might say, well, can you solve this problem for us then? Can you solve that problem for us? Can, then we might be resentful if they don't solve that problem for us. And in a way that might be we sort of give away our free will and our whatever we are and we start to blame them. It's like a God who's there who, who you can blame, you know, physically. So that, the cultural impact of that and the ideas, that that would be a weird intermission as well. So we're having this spiritual relation and then we're having these other ideas and how do we understand it. And it could be a very, very, it might make looks, it might even make California look weird. Put it <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's just to, if you think about all the things you guys talk about a lot and we all talk about, it's really a massive sort of vista of where it could go. And that's just a few thoughts on it, you know. So I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, there's a lot, lots of possibilities, yeah. as you mentioned, quite a, a few. Then I think that's, I mean, it does have the potential to change. When I mean, people probably use that phrase a bit too much, change the world, where it does over time and stuff like this. But this just has, has the potential to completely flip society, like you say, and spiritual side of it and scientific side of it to, even get the point of like saying no poverty, free energy, which would then obviously have a good effect on the climate, all these things. I think because it would have such an effect and the government probably don't know how it's going to play out. That's why they've been keeping it secret. That's why it's been so tight-lipped. And now they've been, maybe if they are being forced to or they're doing it bit by bit, it's because they're assessing, seeing how things are changing little by little. It's going to be like a, it's going to be a slow feed just because they're going to try and control that so that it doesn't get too out of hand where it gets past the point where they can no longer control the information or control how the public is going to react. They lose control of power. They yeah. could literally, like say, change change the Western world at least or the entire world. And that's why it has been kept secret because, because of that and they do want to keep control of people yeah. rather than having this, this free, free world, yeah. I guess. What about looking at it, and there's just something, as we've been talking there, that these people that, like Ash has just said, that they're not stopping the information coming out and stopping disclosure. They're actually trying to protect humanity as a whole. So they're saying, we don't want disclosure, not from a tech point of view or anything like that, because um, we clearly haven't been able to reverse engineer to the likes of like a Tic Tac or something like that, where it's got one of these observables. But the fact that if this all comes out, that it does fundamentally change the way we look at stuff. These aliens, like you just mentioned, Dave, they become our gods, essentially, uh, which is like back in the Egyptian times when they were saying that the, the gods came down on chariots of fire and all this kind of stuff. But then what happens to the rest of civilization? So you've got people in the Middle East that an OPEC, for example, who essentially control everything because they control the oil production. So they control the price of petrol, they, which ultimately affects the price of food and production and everything. If you come up with a free energy source overnight, essentially, because disclosure happens, what what happens there? 
because these these markets could say, well, we know it's not going to happen for a few years where we're going to get to a, a point whereby um, you'll all be driving around in flying cars for want of a, a like a Blade Runner type scenario. Um, so over the next 10 years, we're going to cripple society and charge everybody a premium for this oil because we're going to stop production because we know we're coming to the end of our life as such. So I don't know if, if straight away the impact will be that whoever own, controls oil controls the pace of disclosure yeah. because they don't want disclosure because as soon as free energy comes out, they've lost their trillions of yeah. dollars and OPEC and this cartel of oil producers um, loses their power. Yeah. And as the Wu-Tang Clan once said, Cash rules everything around me, and whoever controls oil essentially controls cash. Yeah. Is everything's run by oil? Yeah. Well, and we go. Yeah. Go on, sorry. No, 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 carry on, carry on, carry on. I was going. I was just going to reinforce the point that whoever controls energy controls the world essentially, and if they lose the grip on that, I don't know what kind of impact that's going to have yeah. in the run up to the release of all this technology. Yeah, and who he who controls, or she, he or she who controls the army, controls the oil, controls the cash. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it comes a bit down, strangely enough, to that aerospace discussion we had, really. Yeah. Uh, it may well be that they have, they have to do a deal. I mean, if you think about, go back to the, after the Second World War, they could have really, like in the First World War, they punished Germany and we got the Second World War. In the Second World War, they were wise enough to build, build up Germany so it become a productive economy again now they did it as a buttress against the russians but nonetheless it was enlightened a bit like the russians now post putin the obvious thing to do even though it feels bad is if he topples massive investment in russia with strings attached to solve better democratic or whatever you would put principles but you need to invest in russia because you can't have an ailing collapsing russia that's going to blow us to pieces in the end so while it feels bad and we want to punish not the russian people but we've not we've got to help them and it's the same yeah. scenario with this Arab thing, because you're right, if they do that with oil, we'd be stuffed and there'd be a war about that, and that could be the, mm-hmm. you know, the end of everything. There's been wars about yeah, it. Well, the, well, the, well. You could yeah. argue a lot of post-war conflicts has been around that and control of land and all that. Yeah. But equally, resources, if there is a way to better resources, resources, resources. So there'd have to be a deal in place for them. There will be a transition of tech anyway. A lot of the companies in the infrastructure will still be used. So there'd be something about transition, but something about a deal to give people confidence that they'll all share in that. So that's the, but it'd need a different mode of thinking because at the moment it's an adversarial capitalist system now. But a system that in a way has served as well in terms of its ability to produce goods and create wealth, but it served as badly in terms of inequality. But it's a very, you know, the free market and it's a very visceral sort of. thing which sort of has its own pace like a fire and and really that isn't the way to sort of allocate things and so they'll need to probably these changes may preforce a change in the way the international economy works and all the rest of it too yeah uh, but they'll probably it'll be enlightened self-interest because they might not want to do it normally and left to themselves they wouldn't but the, the choices on the other side may not be 
I mean, the Americans, I think, instinctively wouldn't have wanted to invest in Germany after the war because it's not what their, their economy is all about. But yeah. they knew they had to do it for long-term interest. And this is the same thing now. And you would hope, and that, again, is where the UN comes in because the question will be, what happens to me? That'll be the question. Yeah. And uh, and the answer's going to have to be something a bit more than, well, you just have to put up with it then, won't you, while we carry on lording it over you. Uh, the only good thing is if there's a massive more resource being be created and, you know, the size of the pie becomes massive as opposed to limited, then there is that is a potential solution because that's always been the problem in the past. The pie is always limited and everybody wants a bigger piece of it and the person who's yeah. got the biggest bit doesn't want to give them money, does it? That's a set to sum up world politics in whatever a couple of sentences. Uh, <laughs> That's the scenario, whereas if the pie is massively expanded, theoretically, everybody can have the piece of pie they want. And I'll stop exactly. with that analogy now before it becomes uh, ridiculous. Well, or more ridiculous. <laughs> wow. Well, <laughs> that, we've covered quite a lot of uh, I mean, range of... I mean, there's so much we could go into, but it's just... Uh, I mean... I think we've covered a good range for people. We are, like you say, we are pretty up to the second. This, these two things, the earrings and the act are the big things. The people have got the context of Russia and all the rest of it. And I suppose they can think about, people could maybe go away from this conversation, you think about what we've missed, what they think is important, what the, there's all the different building blocks there. Mm-hmm. And hopefully mm-hmm. having listened to this, they've got something they can sort of build their own model with and think what's happening. But and with the with this hearings is like which way is it gonna go, you know, because that's quite a nexus point, isn't it? How that goes will determine a lot, you know. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. And just before we end, because I've been I'm still reading the this legislation as we reading to sort of end it on a bit of a different note. Uh read so reading the definition again of NHI on the act. The term non-human intelligence means any sentient, intelligent, non-human life form, regardless of nature or ultimate origin. Does that include Bigfoot? I think it's if they've got tech or not, Ash, as we understand it. Uh, uh, And I think it does. Uh, Say they could create portals or whatever with the mind, then yeah, probably. But I think it's about anybody who's got something better than we have, but we think's better than what we've got. So I think it does, but only, but it ties it to somebody who's flying these phenomena and these craft. Yeah. Now, if mm. it turns out these craft are actually mental projections and Bigfoot's just in the middle of some massive mental projection, then yes. If it turns out that they, they've sort of turned their back on all that tens of thousands of years ago, do great mental tricks, but they're nothing to do with what's being observed, then no. But I think they'd still be seen as centered. I think the definition of other will massively expand once we allow it that makes sense Hmm. Uh, uh, we might find some of the animals in our own kingdom like octopuses or something like that may come into it as well you know and we didn't think of it yeah octopuses have they been classed as sentient already haven't they octopus so and weirdly that's undersea intelligence which who knows there's a lot of weird shit down there that we don't even know about I mean, the only thing we haven't got into, what I think, I think the door's still open. I mean, I like the crypto stuff, but the door's still open for either a range of different, you know, uh, something that's intrinsic to the earth or whatever's the word, I can't remember the word, uh, you know, that's 
that's you know lives on the earth and one that's sort of extraterrestrial or because i can see all oh, this scenario fitting with something we're living alongside you know as well and uh or the trans there's a lot of different definitions things you guys have talked about a lot could all be accommodated by this uh yeah it's, it's very i mean jim simivan seems to think it's all one thing and that's interesting isn't it as well the trickster and it's and john keel would say that but Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this ties it back to things that are fine tech that we don't understand much better than ours. So it's a real, that's a really good question to ask. So I was reading it, it's just like, mm. could it could it be? And there's always that add that little link between Bigfoot, UFOs, UAP sightings together. I just thought, oh, just I was just reading it, it's like, oh, Bigfoot. But yeah, um, yeah, cool. Uh, thanks very much, Dave. I think we've uh, done yeah. a good job on kind of breaking down and looking forward ahead to what's going to be happening next week. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. That was a great conversation, guys. Certainly put me... Yeah. I think I'm going to have to go and lie down after all that. It's just difficult <laughs> to try and remember it all and tie it all together, really. But I think yeah. we had a pretty good go at it. And uh, as I say, hopefully people get something out of it when they listen to it. I, what I love about these conversations is that... Um, I love the fact that as we're talking and our different ideas and our perceptions of what's being said. I, I come up and I think about lots of stuff yeah. at the time. And like the, the question about the Area 51 and the oil and the Arab nations and OPEC and that, and that it's just stuff that I hadn't even yeah. thought about and the whole new gods potentially yeah. that these aliens are. But it's all that. Um, you, that's the thing they say about these things, why they've not developed the tech because mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how smart you are, humans think best collectively. And it's only bouncing ideas of everybody. And because they've not been doing that, they've not been able to, you know, so that's that in the microns. But I agree. I think the more I, when I talk about this, I mean, for instance, I talk with Frank a lot every day, and it's only us bouncing, not every day, no, but on most days, it's only us bouncing ideas of each other or doing it like this. But you start to refine your ideas. Just thinking yeah. about it yourself, you only get to a certain point, and then you go. So yeah, yeah I've, I've got loads of things I'm thinking about from just what we've said now. But oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, very interesting. Hopefully, people who are listening get the same as well. Yeah, that's if they're still listening. Yeah, Lee, you have stuck with us um, with the past two hours. Thanks very much. And like I say, here is next week, and we will be back with the UAP roundtable with Dave and. Maybe a couple of other special guests as we discuss the fallout from the hearings, I guess, next week. So we shall see you next time. Well, thanks for having us, lads. I really appreciate it. Really enjoyed it. Thanks a lot. Thank you very much, Dave. Appreciate it. Pursuit of the Paranormal with Ash and Greg.